Welcome to the Interest in Health and Safety podcast, making health and safety as important as everything else we do in business. Hi, it's Colin Lottish here, and welcome to the Interesting Health and Safety podcast. Today, I am joined by Mark Stallard. Mark runs a health and safety consultancy down in Bristol. Um, we used to work together at Hanson. We had also had a business together in Bristol, um, and then I moved up to the Midlands. Um, Mark is a really, really smashing guy, uh, very, very forward-thinking, and um, and I'm sure you will get a lot of uh, great insight from him in this uh, in this episode. Hey, welcome, Mark. Obviously, from uh, from the intro from Colin, there. My, my name's Mark Stannard. I run um, a health and safety consultancy stroke training business called Safety Horizon Southwest. That's been going for about fourteen years now. Just coming up to fourteen years, I think. Sort of registered it, and um, yeah, we offer uh, we offer various different training packages, uh, consultancy services. Uh, even do quite a bit of procurement now as well. And in fact, there's so much more that we probably do offer, but it sits under the umbrella of health and safety as well as just management uh, experience. Um, probably same as yourself, college chartered member of IOSH, a fellow member of the International Institute of Risk and Safety Management, over 20 odd years experience. Um, unfortunately, during that experience, you've some negative experiences, as in major incidents and accidents, mm-hmm. and, um, and you learn quick. You, you, mm-hmm. you learn quick in, that, in, in heavy industry as well. Um, but we, myself personally, very much built around people. It's all yeah. about people. It's all about decision making and how you can influence mm-hmm. people's decision making. But I'm I'm a health and safety salesman. I'm not a health and safety policeman. You know, yeah. so it's it's about really engaging and selling the benefits. Mm-hmm. And if you sell it, it's a better chance that people will buy. Yeah. Now, without doubt, mate. You know, it's um, you know, it's uh it's exactly the right way to look at it and you know and the, and the people the people at the shop and in the business are your, are your customers aren't they you know they're the absolutely you know yeah. they're, the, they're the people that uh you know that, that pay the that pay the price you know so it's um you know it's about it's about engaging engaging them in a positive way with them it doesn't work it doesn't mm-hmm. work sometimes if you, if you think about if you think about everything we've gone through nationally or you could say globally over the last sort of four to five months you know when you when you think about the campaign that the government have introduced around covid whether it be the two meter social distancing the, the, the hand washing recognizing symptoms what to do if you find symptoms what happens if you sneeze or you cut in you know, a huge campaign tv radio adverts newspapers you name it and is really captured the majority and it just goes to show that um, even if you transfer that into a workplace environment if you're really committed to a campaign and promoting the safety message from various different ways Mm -hmm. it can have a a huge success Mm -hmm. but flip the other way and we also realized that from from in the early days people congregating it certain beaches in 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 the south in the southwest that no matter how much campaigning and promoting you do even people are completely aware of the potential impact it could have on them or their families and individual they still don't take any notice mm. they still completely disregard it and again very much you could uh, relate that into a workplace you know you, you have got and i've had many conversations with with senior directors and managers in a business that if you've got 50 50 members of staff you, you've got 25 of those 
that are that are doing health and safety because they really see the benefits. Mm. Really see it. Like mm-hmm. Live and breathe. It's important to me. And you probably got you know twenty odd plus that do it because you tell them. They don't really see the benefits. They, they just do it because you're telling them to do it, and that's fine. But you'll always get you know a very small amount that have got no interest in doing it at all. Mm. You know, and, and and there's a fair few businesses out there like that. More more than people think that are out there. Because as I said, if you transfer that to the COVID situation, you know, you've probably got 99% of the general public that have abided by it. We locked down, we shut down, only essential visits outside or, or your, your sort of daily exercise. And you've got a very, very small minority that have got no interest in doing that at all, regardless of how much you promote and campaign. I think one of the things as well that we're, that we're starting to see now is, is, is that, you know, people, you know, people are, are getting a bit fed up with the message, you know, and, you know, and they're, you know, that it's starting to, as, as it starts to relax. So, you know, I think, you know, I, I heard a story on the, on the, on the telly the other day that there's the 20 somethings are using COVID, COVID tests a bit like the morning after pill, you know, so they're, <laughs> so they're going, you know, they're, they're going out, they're doing whatever they want to do. And then, um, and then they're getting a test just to make sure that they're okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, which is, you know, and I think, you know, when people, when people, you know, you, you mentioned there about, you know, that they can see the, the issue, you know what I mean? And, you know, well, the, I think there's a lot of people that can't actually, that don't actually see it, you know, that don't, you know, that haven't seen the, the emergency hospitals, you know, the, the A&E departments with the people that can't breathe, you know, and that kind of stuff. And it's because there was hardly any of that on telly, was there? Very, very little of that. No, there, no, there wasn't. And I think you're right. And the, and the initial... I think the initial perception was underlying health issues, wouldn't it? You know, that, that's how it, that was the initial perception and, uh, and, and obviously not true, but that was the perception. And, um, and obviously as it evolved and, you know, we obviously realises that it's a, it's, a little, it's a bit more significant than that. Um, but I suppose, you know, a, a lot of people I've heard speak, speak to me direct and said, well, I don't know anybody. Mm. I don't know anybody who suffered from it. Yeah. Um, but, but the answer to that is, but, but, but you may. You, yeah. you, you may have had it. You, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. Many people have got asbestosis, but they don't know about it mm-hmm. for many, many, many years. You know, it, um, uh, and I, I, interesting, I did, I did a webinar um, with the World Health Organization very, very early on when it was announced, mm-hmm. and, and they had um, a, a professor, frontline professor of healthcare in Italy, who come on, and, and someone from China as well, and and it was quite interesting, really, because the, um, the Italian professor said that um, they, they they tested initially five thousand frontline healthcare workers and um and obviously they looked at certain symptoms where they got the dry cough and etc and the temperature that was uh, pr- pretty standard at the start but they also said the times in which they started to develop symptoms mm-hmm. uh, and they actually from the 5,000 people they tested it was from anything between 12 and 47 days mm-hmm. before they started to develop symptoms mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so basically they, they put the average there the majority around about 21 days Right. Mm-hmm. So people over there, a lot of people over there, the, the advice given was to self-isolate for, for 21 days. Yeah. And yet, in, in the UK, we were very much on um, on the 14. You know, if you're with somebody, it was the 14, yeah. 14 days. 14 days, yeah. And, and, and I actually come out of that thinking, I, I don't know what to believe. No. I don't, I don't know what to believe. You, you, you know, it's not, it's not mixed messages, but the, the, you're talking about, you know, you're talking about a seven-day difference there. Mm-hmm. I don't know how accurate that is, or how precise that is, or, or should I be, you know, staying at home longer? You know, I, I'm, I'm, 
son's got asthma as well, so he's a little bit anxious about certainly yep. in, in early days doing it. And, and as you said, just then, you know, as, as time's gone on, it's, it's almost, well, you know, unfortunately, the sort of death count has, has sort of come down and, and we should be okay and we can start get, getting back to normal mm. a little bit. And, mm. But the reality is it's still there and, and, and there is no vaccine. So mm. um, but it's interesting how, how, how we've just started to change for society. <laughs> you know, no, no handshaking, real something simple mm. that you do prior to meeting somebody or, or, or you know or when you're leaving or new potentially new business clients and there's no handshaking at, mm. at all um and sometimes people forget you know they you, you sort of lean forward and then to do that and and that's um that's, that's an unbelievable change for, for so many people mm-hmm. um, and not just in the workplace just society in general yeah, I mean, I was I was down in London on Monday um, with a um, with a client, a, a shop down there that's uh, that's just just opening up again now, and um, and the guy the guy offered his hand out to shake hand, you know what I mean, and it felt really uncomfortable. It was yeah. really <laughs> weird, you know, because it would never have been a problem, like you say, but uh, but all of a sudden it was uh, yeah, it was you know it was an unusual, you know, and just getting the train down there and you know wearing the mask and the, I mean the place was empty. I mean, you know, I, yeah. you know, I was I, I got off at King's Cross. King's Cross station was empty. The train down was empty. The car park in Peterborough, where I where I live, you know, you normally you you you're hunting around for a space. It was five percent full, you know, and it's yeah. just yeah. such a huge, huge impact. And I think you know, it what, doesn't feel normal, does it? Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Doesn't feel normal. You know, it doesn't feel. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's nice. Um, it's certainly nice uh, driving when, when you haven't got a lot of traffic. Mm. Um, and um, you know, get get on the train, and you can park okay, and and there's probably not so many people about, but it just doesn't feel right, you know. And um, but yeah, that's that's the sign of, of where we are at the moment. Um, and you know, looking at the government advice at the moment, uh, there's no signs of it changing anytime soon. No, no, no. Yeah, no. certainly up to uh, up to up to November at least. Um, I mean, I don't anticipate. You know, going to see uh, a sporting event or a music concert through this calendar year. Just to be fair, though, mate. I mean, you're a Bristol City fan, so you haven't really seen sporting events for quite a few years now, have you? <laughs> <laughs> Colin, the line, the line seems to be breaking up a little bit. It's a bit of interference there. Or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's taken five weeks to to appoint a manager. We haven't done that yet, and I, I know in Bristol City, it will um, they'll probably appoint the person that's been sat next to the manager for the last. Uh, Four and a half seasons, which is the assistant. So I'm not sure why it's taken five weeks, five, six weeks to do that. But very. The only thing about um, supporting a club like Bristol City is 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 my local team. But your expectation levels are managed. Mm, yeah. Uh, a lot of people talk about. I love it in the championship. You know, and, and if you look at uh, the history of my club in the hundred odd years that uh, it's been established, it's, um, the majority of that time we've been playing in the third tier of English football so the fact mm-hmm. we're competing in the second tier yeah. I'll take that, take I'll that. Take that for, for yeah. a few seasons and if we have a great season and we end up um, you know pushing up near the playoffs they're fantastic you know we had we had a great game beating Man United a couple of couple of seasons ago in the quarterfinal of the cup in, mm-hmm. in the last minute that was yeah. um, uh, you know that was just because it was Man United really it was yeah. nice to <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah because you're you're only saying that because Arsenal won won the FA Cup last weekend <laughs> I saw that. To be fair, I hadn't really spoken much about Arsenal for a, for a, for a while. I was I was going back to my Colchester United roots, 
So <laughs> well, 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 to be fair, I, I think um, yeah, that would have if Arsenal would have carried on, that would have been their local derby. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but yeah, but uh, anyway, football's a different. A different yeah. discussion altogether, really. But, but I think I think the point you're making there, though, I mean, because I know you 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 know you were big into live music as well, going to watch live music, and and it's going to be it's going to be so so interesting to see how those sort of industries really pick themselves up and, and try and offer something because there's there's yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, there's definitely a need for to, to entertain people. You know, that, that's not going to go away. But it's how yeah. how do they manage to achieve it? I don't know. Have you have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I've um, I've actually, you know, I've, I I normally do the uh, Hyde Park gig the summer, mm-hmm. or sort of summer in the park, whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. every sort of July. Um, and I and I've seen Phil Collins and and seen um, Lionel Richie and Stevie Wonder last year. It was just great, absolutely great bit of nostalgia. And uh, because you you do a few of those events, um, you you part of the circulation mm-hmm. for general feedback, really, you know, and. And it's just that the questions that are being asked are very much geared around to, you know, live gigs, but watching it like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By Zoom, you know what I mean? So, so a bit like Glastonbury, what Glastonbury do? You know, you can watch Glastonbury live, can't you? Mm-hmm. Like kids. And, and, you know, would you be interested? But would you be interested in, in paying like a monthly subscription? Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that, that accesses you so many, you know, so many concerts that, uh, that you can watch, you know, which, um, mm-hmm. which, which which is great, you know, but that's that's almost like watching football on Sky TV, you know, yeah. or BT Sport, you know, is it, mm-hmm. it, it's okay, but it's not the same. It's not the same. It's certainly not the same. You know, I, I'm disappointed. I did have tickets to in in October to go and see um, Electric Light Orchestra, right? Up in up in Birmingham, you know, which God, I wanted to see them for years, mm-hmm. absolutely years, and um, and April it was even though it was it, it was not till October they they cancelled it in April. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so and I think I think the motive for that was not necessarily, um, you know, whether COVID was going to be around them, whether it was going to be still you know, as uh, as active as uh, a problem as it was back in April, but how many people are going to feel confident going? Yeah, mm-hmm. are we really going to sell tickets? Yeah, that's, right. that's the real thing here. Is 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 okay? It's okay about opening these venues, but are people really going to have the confidence? Yeah, to, to go back mm-hmm. to what once upon a time was normal. Um, <coughs> mm-hmm. I, I just, I just can't, just can't see it. No, it's not, not for now anyway. Not until there's a vaccination and it's and it's working and it's been proven to work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's um, that's 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 where we are as well. And you know, COVID is is the hot topic. And you know, I do a monthly blog at the moment. And um, an interest of my last blog column was, uh, I. I, I I'm not saying I'm bored of talking about COVID because it's topical and it's important to people. You know, for I haven't stopped. I've still carried on. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people have stopped. For, so and, and now are looking to get back into the workplace. For them, it's still new. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, it's still going to be right there now. Mm-hmm. So it's still important to do that. But my last blog, um, I, I did actually write. You know what? As you're coming back into the workplace, and COVID's important. Yeah, just make no bones about. But there are other things. Mm-hmm. That you also need to focus on things yeah. that you once upon a time six months ago you took a second nature and didn't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Working at height, mm-hmm. manual handling, noise, vibration, all the real common hazards yeah. that exist in the majority of workplaces, but everyone's about COVID. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you can you can take your eye off the ball a little bit and mm-hmm. um, and things slip. So listen, we, we are trying to go back 
to some normality, but normality is picking up some of the things that you, you did before all this happened, mm -hmm. but still mm -hmm. being mindful of the mm -hmm. current situation that, that we're in. And, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I've had, I've had a couple of people come back to me and said, you know what, your, your, your ladder inspection, something very, very simplistic, you know, which, um, which we all take for granted, but it's, it's still vitally important to, to, to get it right. And I mean, I mean, I can remember, you know, again, when we when we were together, um, you know, that 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 first few days back after the Christmas break, you know, was was so important to, to get to get people focused back in. And um, and, and really, that's that's exactly what we're facing now, isn't it? We're we're facing people coming back into work after a break. OK, it hasn't been holiday, you know, yeah. but it's, um, you know, and, and, and you're, you're so right to 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 you know to be set down to people look you know okay covid yeah sort sort it but but look at look at the other things look at the hazards look, look at the other things they're, they're still there aren't they they haven't gone away they're still, they're still there they're still there and, and sometimes what happens is is because you've not it's not been built into your daily routine mm -hmm. you know it's, it's uh and going back into that you, you mentioned the january thing now the reason why january was such an important target to, to hit mm -hmm. is is the whole festivity of Christmas, New Year, where people have a couple of weeks off and socialising with family and everything else is great. And you come back in January and your motivation levels are rock down. You go to work and it's dark. You come home when it's dark. You've got no money. You've probably got no holiday left. You know, everything is a long time to get paid. You know, all, all those factors just affect people's mindset. Mm. You know? And that's why it was important. Those, that first week was to capture those straight away. Mm -hmm. I say right. Let's get back in it. Let's look at the important things. All the things that we were doing last year. Let's make sure that we're we're sustaining that for for, for this year. And where we are now is it, going to be pr pretty much the same. Pretty much the same. And um, certain industries have carried on. Construction obviously have carried on. A lot of manufacturing has carried on. So um, obviously a few less staff at times as well for for people mm -hmm. shielding. But yeah, still important. It's um. All the other decisions that we make in a working environment are the right ones. Mm. And I think as well, you know, I really agree with you there. And I think, I think also, I think one of the things that, that's going to take a little while, but it's going to start to come out, is is there was this big shift for, for a lot of businesses to, for people starting to work from home, and and it was and I think it was quite positive to begin with, you know. And I think I think productivity out of people working from home. Was was pretty good, okay? Um, because it was something new, it was a new environment. It was a, yeah. you know, companies had invested in giving people computers and desks and stuff like that at home. Um, but I can see that that what's going to happen is 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 people are going to feel more isolated if they carry on working from home. You know, it's it's very very easy if you're if you're a manager of a of, of a of a site and you've got fifty percent of your staff or sixty percent of your staff in at work and thirty or forty percent at home. Yeah. You're going to forget. You're not going to forget about those forty percent, but you're going to be spending more time with the people that are there and thinking about them more. And I think I think that's an issue that's going to start to raise its head. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I think I think some people can adapt to that environment very well, and some people probably probably prefer it. But um, you know, of all the sort of COVID reviews that I've done, and I've had one or two employers saying I've got to get some people back because some people are living on their own. Yeah, their family. You know, this, the work is is their break. You know, they love it. They enjoy it. That social interaction. Yeah. And um, and just for their own sort of well-being, really, I've, I've had to get them back back into work. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course, the, the the flip side to that as well, I've I, I've um I've delivered a few IELTS courses, and uh, 
of course you've got people that are working from home um, and the kids are home. Yeah. So, yeah, so I've, I've had situations where um, things that you wouldn't get in a, in a boardroom or a classroom environment where kids are running and asking if they can have a biscuit and, and yeah. I've had the dog run in and jump on the table. Um, someone's had their back door open and next door to the side is a cut the grass and We've had the television mounted above the fireplace suddenly fall off in the in the background as well. <laughs> so they've had the balls and, and go up. And, and those are sort of things that you just never even consider, really. You don't think about it. That's right. I, I had a Zoom call yesterday at three o'clock, and, and as soon as I locked on, the chap I was speaking to said, Mark, this is my seventh Zoom meeting today. Yeah. I'm exhausted. Yeah, that's right. I'm just exhausted. Mm-hmm. All individually, where normally what would happen in, in the office, it would be a bit like a doctor's waiting room for the first hour. Mm-hmm. Everyone's mm-hmm. coming, oh, you've got a second, you've got five minutes, you've got mm-hmm. two minutes, yeah. and everything's dealt with. Everything's dealt with there and then, and everyone knows about it. Where, um, unfortunately, we've got to sort of line them all up, and most of my days are just filled up with, with, with this. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, what can happen, if you've got a reasonable size group, and you're sharing, um, you're sharing documents to, to view, you don't know when people have dipped out. No. They're not listening, or they lost their signal, or, you know, so... Yeah, it's, it's unusual. It's unusual, um, yeah, unusual times. But you know, we'll, we'll be fine. Mm. We'll be fine. We'll adapt. We'll modify because that's what we do. We're professionals, and, uh, and and we're leaders in our field, and and we're there to help businesses get back to to some normality. Mm. You know, I um, I did the uh, the IOSH um, uh, behavioral leadership management online right. November December, and um, it was good. There's some interesting stuff about there, and, and, and it was quite interesting because you and I are very much behavioral safety mm-hmm. professionals, really. It's all about mindset and people. And one of the, the concepts, the overall concept there that, that they have is about servant leadership, mm-hmm. which, which is, um, and you're probably aware of, you know, aware of this already, but, but where you know, ma- managing directors, chief executives are actually <coughs> saying to, to their teams, what can I do? to serve you what have i got to do mm-hmm. to help you achieve what we need to mm-hmm. rather than setting a, a series of directives mm-hmm. you know, we, we talk about this independent culture where everything sort of is it from the top down or is it from the bottom up you know and, and ideally if you're both doing it you'll, you'll you'll probably meet in the middle but really interesting concept of leadership there which is what do i have to do what do you need from me from mm-hmm. me to serve you to make sure that we get we get this right so the individual take ownership Management take take ownership, but they also realise they've got that support mechanism mm-hmm. in place uh, in place as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm probably going to start to build a bit of a behavioural program around that. You know, mm-hmm. which, um, which offer offer some. <clears throat> I think it's been really interesting. Something. You know, doing this um, you know, doing this podcast, I've I've, I've met so many people that have got so many views on on what good health and safety looks like, and um, and there's a real sort of a bit of a battle going on at the moment between between the behavioural safety people and the safety differently people, and um, you know, and really, what it's about is it's about doing safety properly. I think, and and, and I see, um, you know, I see so many so many positives um, from the, the management really getting to understand how work is done. You know, because I think a lot of people just perceive how it's done, but actually get a better understanding. I think one of the things, I mean, you know, again, when we worked together before, we we used to have that that take one. Do you remember that initiative take one? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Which was, was was very much about saying to the employee, you know, look, if you've got a problem, take a step back. You know what I mean? But it was also it was also very very easy to 
could weaponize that, you know what I mean? And the management to, oh, well, he never took one, you know what I mean? And to start to blame the individual. Whereas I was, I, 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 you know, by listening to other people, you know, rather than giving the, giving the employees the, the power to stop, it's actually saying to the management, well, you need the, the, to give the authority to start. So you need to make sure that things are in place before you start work. How do you how do you feel about how do you feel about that because because that's almost moving moving away from from each individual the behaviour of each individual and actually looking at the looking at the business as a whole. What are your views on that? Yeah, well, I think I think if you go back to that concept, you know, and I, I think it can it can certainly still apply now. Really, the whole take one process and and you know the the I suppose the the objective behind it was empowering the individual that before I jump feet first into there, I. I'm just going to take one step, one second, one minute, one thought process before uh, before before I jump in. And I think, and I think to a degree that that has some that did have some success, and, and probably will continue to have some success. The challenge that I face, and we, we probably touched on this probably near the, the start of our of our chat, really, which is um, which is about ma- management. And I say management; it could be supervisory, it could be middle management, senior management. Um, their perception. On risk, you know the people that do the job day in day out, sharp end, the cold face that we used to used to call them. Um, you know, ultimately they they're aware of pretty much all, all the risks that that are being you know, that they're undertaking. And sometimes when they manage it up, and that's that's the issue here is managing that, pushing that up, mm-hmm. is whether it's is whether it's recognised, whether it's actually saying, you know, what I, I is it is it a case of, and I, and I say this with with experience, is the response they get is shut up and get on with it or hang on a second listen I, let's, let's have a look at this then we'll look at this together and we'll um, and we'll discuss it uh, and that could be at any level any level of of, uh, of, of management and um, and i think what you'll find is what i certainly found is at the top of the business there's some real core leadership people buying into it seeing the importance of it this is what we want to achieve but we need some help and you also get people at the, the sharp end of the business that really see the importance of it because they're the people exposed. The bits in between can be a little bit, a little bit hit and miss. So the whole coaching, mentoring um, is going to be quite vital as we move forward, you know, as we evolve and as, as these businesses mature over, over the years is making sure that some um, those individuals within that middle management sector, um, I've got the mentoring they need because, you know, I've had far too many situations where um, where employees have, have raised issues, stopped what they're doing, and that's as far as it goes. They've had no feedback on it. Um, nothing's changed. Um, and, and unfortunately, the solution to that is they feel that, um, you know, the, these managers have been trained. Tra- training and competency is two different things. Completely different. And if I if I drew a timeline, I, I do this on some of my um, presentations and courses. You know, if you if you um, you know if you drew a timeline, and and, and we'll say you, you did a management course which needs to be reviewed or refreshed every three years. Well, if I take a three-year timeline, there's over a thousand days, okay, in that timeline. And if I marked the three days that you did the training, out of those thousand days, does not make you competent. You're trained, but you're not competent. Competency is through doing it, implementing it, living it, breathing it, 
make a mistake, know what your limitations are. You know, that is what makes competency. And that's at any level. That's the same for the employees. The take one process, which is a fantastic concept, um, but it's only as good as one as you deliver it and two as people actually adopting it and seeing and valuing it. You know, and, and actually saying, you know, am, am I doing this because I've been told to do it? Or do I really see this is integral, this is part of what we do? This is part of my DNA. I live and breathe this. And, and if you're there before me, then um, I would quite happily become your driver in, in making that success. Because we, we you know, unfortunately, we, the, the, the reason why you, you and I um, are, are still in this game, are still talking about it, are still selling it and still influencing people, is because there are still individuals out there that are making the wrong decisions. And as long as they're making the wrong decisions, there's always a need for people like us to come in and continually talk about it. And uh, but I think the thing is, is I, I don't think people are ever going to stop making the wrong decisions. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we do. And so, and so I sort of see that the businesses have got more of a a responsibility to allow people to fail, but to do it safely. You know, so you know, make a make a mistake, get something wrong. But to do it to do it safely, and I, I, you know, I I I um I had a situation with one of my clients where where a guy hadn't locked off a piece of kit, okay, and and okay, he, he, he should have done, okay. There's no there's no doubt about it. The piece of kit should have been should have been locked off. But the mistake was made when the plant was put back on, and and nobody had checked and and, and made sure that the equipment was safe to start again. Yeah. And that was, and that was you know that's you know he made a mistake yet. He made a mistake not locking off, no doubt about it. But it was it was re-energized too easily. And I think yeah. you know, what businesses need to do is they really need to look at these processes and look at it and say, okay, yeah, some a mistake could get made here. You know, well, what can we do to what can we do to allow people to fail but they ain't gonna get hurt? And if you can, you can get that's, that a point. Point. that's a that's a great point and completely agree with that. And I, and I can give you two two slightly different examples outside of the, the working environment. One, I'm uh, I'm a qualified football coach and been doing that for for, for many years. And um, you know, went to St George's Park and, and did some training. And it's interesting. I used to set the session was already played, but the environment was already made, already set up when the kids kids arrived. And um, and they had two two instructions. But when it, when they arrived, literally on a flip chart, as they turned up, number one was have fun, and number two was make lots of mistakes. This is the environment. This is the environment to make all your mistakes, and you can push that right up to adult football as well. Why would you not? I mean, you see some of the goals, whether it be Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney, overhead kicks, backflips, whatever it is, technically fantastic. There's no training session that you put on for that. They practice. They make mistakes. How many times have they done that? before they suddenly executed it in the right way. How many times have you completed a risk assessment before you thought, you know what, it's okay, it's a bit lax. You practice, and you and practice makes permanent. The more you do it, the better you get. It evolves, it matures, and it comes into a real solid document. That is competency. You can go on a risk assessment training course, great, gives you knowledge, awareness. The application of it is what makes you competent. And over those years, three, four, five years, before you get your next refresher, that is where you make all your mistakes and you practice it. What, what would I do if I discipline my children on every little thing that they do? And even if it was minor. Because when it comes to the really important stuff, 
they are never going to come to me for help. And to be honest, that's when I want them to speak to me about it. You transfer that into the workplace. If all you do is discipline your employees for every little mistake they make, and, and it's it, probably something minor, it could be. What happens when it's somewhat significant? Because their perception will be, there's no way I'm, listen, look what happened last time, and, and this is far more serious, so I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take the chance, and I'm gonna, I, I'm just not gonna say nothing, you know? And that's the culture that uh, you're in danger of, of, of developing, unfortunately. And that's where, you know, that, if you've got that environment where, where, where people get blamed, then you, you just stop learning. You stop learning because nobody wants to say anything. And so, you know, and so switching it around. I was listening to a guy um, recently and he, he, he said, you know, he said, you know, just talk about, um, you know, near misreporting. Okay. Because near, near misreporting is, generally speaking, is, is crap. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. People don't put stuff in. It's not taken seriously and all that. And he says, you know, rather than doing that, just, just ask, you know, just two really simple questions, you know, you know, how do you currently do your job and how could we do it better? And if you just ask those questions, rather than saying people, we want people to report near misses, just, just get people to report that. How do we do the job and how can we do it better? You're going to be a, such a more invigorating and exciting climate to work in where mm -hmm. we're encouraging people to do that, you know, rather than just, just, you know, the, the things are wrong. I can remember, Mark, and I'll let, you, I'll let you comment back on that in a minute, but I can remember you showing me a, a slide once um, that was uh, one times one equals one, two times two equals four, three times three equals nine, and then the last one is five times five equals 24. And you, you said to me, well, you know, how do you feel about that slide? You know, and I immediately said to you, the last one's wrong. And you just said, well, yeah, but let's look at the rest of that. You know, let's look at the things that are right, you know, on that, on that slide. And that, that was such an important message that you gave me all those years ago. And, yeah. It's important to do that. Isn't it? you know? Well, use it now. Yeah, I do. I still use it. I still that. use that. And, and you know, I could, I could put 10 sums up there, and yet um, nine would be correct and one would be incorrect, and uh, people will still pick out the one that's, one that's wrong. And yet, I, I got 90%. I got 90%. And yet, and yet, and yet good auditing, good, when you're measuring your performance, when you're measuring, isn't it good, isn't it great to catch somebody doing something right and just to give that feedback and say, you know what? If I was doing this job, I would do any different. This is how I would do it. This is how I would do it. But the, the evolvement from that, going back to you, your, your point just now as well, is, is um, you know, I don't, I don't do a huge amount within the quarries, but I, I have done audits, independent audits uh, in, in recent years. And, um, and of course, what you'll find in, in some environments, you, you've got a stack, a library of risk assessments. Mm. This is just one example I'm going to give you here. And, um, and they come up for annual review and the manager is, uh, oh, you know, I've got 70 odd risk assessments covering an asphalt plant, concrete plant, a block works, you know, I've, I've got the way bridge and I've got some of the quarry activities and operation. Um, and, and the question I, I asked him was, well, wh why are you doing that? Why, why are you, why have you put this upon yourself to do it? I mean, who, who, who are they for? And um, because we need to do it. All right, yeah, but but who are they for? Who are they directing? Well, is the employees? Well, then get them to review them, split them up, and and do it every month. Don't do it as an annual thing, as a ticket. Split it up every month. Right, concrete. I've got four people there. You've got three assessments each this month. Can you do me a favour? Take them out into the workplace, check them, test them. What's white? What's wrong? Write all over them. Red pen. Do what you need to do, and then come back to me and tell me what you think. Because yeah. if it's right, and we'll make the changes and tweak it. 
when it comes to implementing them, right, these are our new documents. Um, one, they're accurate, first and foremost. Um, secondly, the individuals have bought into them, yeah, because they actually take ownership. Well, that's, that's, this is my document, really. This is this things that I made. Uh, and, and thirdly, probably most uh, most important is um, is you don't need to force it. You don't need to force it because the ownership has already been taken, and it doesn't become an annual exercise. It becomes an everyday thing that we do, a weekly thing, a fortnightly thing, a monthly thing. And I've got many lieutenants in this business that are actively out there looking at it. And challenging. Of course, you'll get some that will just say, "Yeah, it's all fine. It's all fine." Um, but the ownership is still there, and you'll find that 10, 12 people that you give that job to, those, those jobs to, you know, probably four or five of those will really stand out as being proactive, and the others are just going through through a process. Well, you know what? You find four or five people that um, that are very keen on it that, that you probably you weren't aware of before. So you, you, you've got to do something different. We've got to do something different. You know, we're, we're having a change now. We spoke a huge amount about the COVID. We're having a different change. Why can't we change some of the common practices that uh, that, that we have? Why should why should all the pressure and uh, expectation be on that that middle management when you you said about the take one process, which is great. Well, why didn't you take one risk assessment into that working environment, working in pairs, coming back and telling me what works and what doesn't? Mm. And I think as well is, is, is you know, is, is, is stop getting hung up about the numbers, <laughs> you know, the five by five matrix and all that. And, you know, because that ain't how risk works. You know, risk, you know, when, you, you know, you, when you're working at high, you know, it, it isn't it isn't five times three you know, equals 15, you know, or whatever it is, it's at a certain point, it's, it's, the severity is one, and then it becomes a two, then it becomes a three, then it becomes a four, then it becomes a five, and then it becomes a four yeah. again, and, it a four. and it's going up and down, isn't it? And the likelihood yeah, yeah. is a three, it's, it's a one, then it becomes a two, you know, and it's just yeah. trying to create an environment, yeah. trying to create a, trying to create a thinking where people really understand that the, well, I think you're right, and, and I think, are, are you teaching people to complete a risk assessment or assess the risk? Because they're just two completely different things, you know. And you, you give you give somebody a blank um, a, a blank risk assessment form, and, and they'll be more concerned about am I filling the right boxes and does it look okay, rather than the content sometimes. Where um, you know normally normally what I would do to to, to clients coaching is um, is is right. Well, you, you're going to shadow me. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to complete a risk assessment. Write it up. You can see how I approach it. Questions I ask. What I look for. You can see how I prepare it, how I write it up. That's the template. Yeah, you haven't got a blank form now. You've got a completed example that you can use. Now, what happens? We we swap roles. So you're gonna you're gonna lead this now, and I'm just gonna shadow. I'm gonna sit there in shadow and just watch and see what you do, and and come back to what you said just now. Make your mistakes. Make your mistakes. But you're being supervised. You're you're being mentored. You're being coached in that. And I might take. Two or three, four or five, six attempts before the penny drops. You know, before he actually sort of realised, hang on a second, right now I, now I get it, because it's practice, isn't it? You know, rather than you put you put people on a training course and you say, right now now you're off and you can you can do 
through some risk assessment where you know there's no that, that's not that you know you can argue that's training there's, there's very much information really you know, you're, you're giving people a set of information they've got to go out there and, and work out work out themselves where you know training is completely completely different you know, yeah. you have that sort of hands-on sort of coaching and a lot of people go for that you know i'm, I'm mentoring quite like yourself really quite, quite a few health and safety professionals in, in, in the moment you know, very bright lots to offer good technical knowledge probably like a little bit of management knowledge but you know that's 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 what it is and, and some of them are just doing fantastically well um but but that is through making lots of mistakes for everything delivering toolbox talks how they write an audit how they look you know, deliver a training course even structuring an email how how do you get the board of directors and the senior management team to sort of buy in buy into that and um and, and everything's about solutions isn't it you know they, they want solutions we know what the problems are um, and also, you, you'll find in most of the reports that we do, get back to your point about the times table. There is, um, is they also want to know what's what's right, what's working. It's important to know where the gaps are in a business, but what's working. I don't have to justify my fee for doing an audit and an inspection by trying to find something that's wrong. I don't have to do that. You know, I, I've been doing it a long time, and and if I come out of my report is a very positive reflection. Of, uh, of of that particular site or that particular business, then that's what it will be. I don't I don't feel the need to, to dig a bit deeper and try and find something that's wrong because you also lose credibility for that as well. So, um, but yeah, capturing somebody doing something right is, is more yes. important. It's so much more, it's so much more satisfying. Mate. You know, I mean, yeah. I on when was it yesterday? We went Wednesday or we Tuesday? Yesterday, only yesterday. I was down on the side just outside of the just outside of Beaconsfield, and um, and I don't know six months, maybe nine months ago, I'd, I'd gone round the side. We weren't doing we weren't doing a proper audit. We were just having a walk round, and I found a few issues. Okay, and so and so what we did is 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 we got the we got the guys together, and I'd, I'd taken a few photos, and we we just got them in the canteen, and we we showed these photos up, and, I, and we just talked through it, and um and you know we said look you know you know how do you feel about what we found and it. And then I went back there yesterday, and honestly, mate, the place was immaculate. The place was immaculate. The, all the garden was in place, and I just, I just turned around to the, to the guys, and I just said, "Well done." You know, this is, you know, the, the, what you've got here compared to what you had. It, 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 there's no comparison, really. You know, it's just superb, and it was just so nice. You know, you walk away from that environment just with a spring in your step. Yeah, um, yeah. And, it, and it wasn't about me. Okay, I've been a little bit of a catalyst. It was about them. You know, it's what they've done, and 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 I think you know, you know, health and safety professionals. You know, we we need we need to move away from all this. In my opinion, this is move away from all this this technical understanding and, and become much much better enablers, much much better catalysts, people that can that can help affect change. And if you can do that, and that, and that sounds like well, you know, you're saying you're talking, you know, with the safety professionals. I mean, that's just wonderful to you doing that. Yeah, and a lot of that, Colin, as well, is um, you know you, you and I like, like talking. Hopefully, that, that that's probably come across on this thing. But um, the real art is is listening. It's just listening to people, you know. And and you know, we talk about whether it be to, to employees or senior managers, whether it's just absorbing that that information and finding out what what, what they do. And you know, we work with electrical contractors, asbestos removal companies, and and um, 
Is that our expertise? What's, what's our technical knowledge on that? Nowhere near as much as them, but we don't need to be. We know a lot about leadership. We know a lot about health and safety. We know a lot about accepting change and processes, and we know a lot about people as well. What, why would I need to teach you about electrical safety? Blimey, you, you, you've done your apprenticeship. You've done it many, many years. You know what I mean? You, you got the competency. You got the comp but you working with me will ensure that we get it wrong. You know, so that uh, that team approach. Yeah, and I think you know, I think this is where you know qualifications like Nibosh and you know, I don't, I don't know anything about the NCRQ, um, um, but you know, they, they don't, they don't cater for that enough. You know, they're, they're too, they're too technically based. You know, and it's too much about doing this. And I'm not just going to go and Nibosh here. I think you know, the no, whole, you know what I'm saying. It's, yeah, I, I get that feedback from a lot of people that um, that have sat it, you know, and and um, it's been a lot of years since I I done that. But the general feedback that I get is um, is just very much geared around passing the exam, yeah. where t training, uh, development, education, coaching is about picking up knowledge, skills, awareness, taking it into your working environment, and applying it. That's what's happening. That's what you take from a training course is you go back and you test and you challenge. Mm -hmm. What are we doing? Where are the gaps? What do we do well? You know, and um but yeah, unfortunately it's 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 just not you know, it's not structured. And I'm sure I can I can look at um you know, my, my son who did his uh, GCSEs last year, he's in sixth form, halfway through sixth form this year and you know, everything's about passing exams. Everything's about passing exams. That's you know, and um and I said, well, what are, what are, a little bit different in sixth form now, to be fair, because he's, do, he's picking subjects that he wants to do, mm -hmm. you know, where sometimes when you're, you're having to do subjects that you don't, you don't particularly want to do, you're not, you're not excited uh, about it. But, um, yeah, it's very much about, about just passing the exam. And um, my daughter did it a couple of years ago, and, and it, it, she got a, a C in, um, I don't know, what's economics or something like that, I don't know. And she was two marks away from, um, from a B. Uh, well, and, and it was well. Um, you, you can pay again to do it, thirty-five pound. You're only two marks away. So, um, so she sat, sat it again, and she got a C, two marks away from a B again. Well, you can do it again. You can do it again, thirty-five. And um, she said to me, Dad, I, I, I don't want to do it again. I don't, I don't want it again. And I said, I, I agree because if that's your level, if that's if that's your level, that's fine. But the underlying context of that is. Is you know I wouldn't say there's pressure, but you know forced encouragement, if you like, to come on, come on, you know you've got to, because um, unfortunately it's it's about the output. We talk about inputs, homework, application, and everything else, and we talk about outputs, which is your which is your results. It's the middle bit that's the important. It's the process. The process is the most important thing. When I when I deliver um, some courses, Colin, I um. We talk about safe systems of work and method statements. And I say, um, you know, for those of you that make a cup of tea, do you put the milk in first or the milk in last? Of course, out of 10 people, you'll get eight saying, oh, it's got to go in last. You can't put the milk in first. You get one or two saying, no, it's got to go in first. And I say, well, does it really make a difference? Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. Really? So if one of you made me a cup of tea and I took a sip out of that, would I know if the milk's been put first or last? Uh, and the answer to that is, no, no, I wouldn't. But it's not the output I'm worried about. It's the process. It's the process that you go through. 
And unfortunately, if you've got eight people put a milk in last and two people put a milk in first, that deviates from the process. And it's something as simple as making a cup of tea. Transfer that into a working yeah. environment, changing the hammers on a primary crusher, yeah? Changing the screens on a dual crusher, whatever it might be. It's not about, this, these, this is the equipment, this is the finished job, it's the process. Yeah. And unless I instruct and tell people, listen, or, you know, or there's a, there's, a, there's a structure there that people follow, um, they will find their own way mm-hmm. of doing it. And, and that's the concerning, mm-hmm. that's the concerning bit. I have no doubt, and, and you know... Is that not also the positive bit? Sorry, what's that? Is that not also the positive bit, you know, that they will find their own way? Because at the end of the day, as you say, you know, whether they put, you know, okay, there's, the, you know, for the cup of tea example, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm milk last, okay, because... I was always been told that the tea stews better, you know, without warmer temperatures. But at the end of the day, the cup of tea is the cup of tea. You get it, you know. So whether they put in the milk first or they put in the milk last, you know. So can you allow that? Can you not allow that bit of flexibility in the way that people do? Their yeah, work? of course you can. Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, and I, and I probably didn't explain it properly enough there. But yeah, you could for something like that. Of course you could, because it really doesn't make a lot of difference. The message behind it is transferring that into some activities. You look at your risk register, there are some activities which are very routine, relatively low risk, you know, and there's others that, that are potentially high level risk, you know, and that, that might need some intervention. That might need some 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 control because you know you can you can certainly involve the individuals, but you need to be a certain type of individual to um to actually come up with the right methodology there. Not so it might need some uh, some guidance and some mentoring and some help help there. Um, look at look at I mean you know we look at yesterday what happened in Beirut, you know which is a oh, I, you know, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think I've seen anything like that probably since nine eleven really that that impact you know all, it, was, it was like a blockbuster movie wasn't it and and you're hearing conflicting reports we're talking about um, you know it was uh, it was chemicals and the firework factory and, and all these things are coming out we're not quite sure yet um but something's gone wrong in the process mm-hmm. something's gone something's gone wrong there if, if it turns out to be someone's made a, a wrong decision on that and that could be chernobyl it could be piper alpha it could be a number of number of things um and i'm not sure in those type of situations where you know you, you would probably let individuals come up with their own way you know, it, it might need some some intervention for the sort of high high risk stuff. But I think what you know, and I really I hear what you're saying there. I think I think there's a couple of things there. I think what you shouldn't do is you shouldn't be putting the responsibility of the control on any one individual if it's that critical. You know, and this is where the checks and balances come in. Um, and also, I think you know, there's certain tasks where you what you've got is you've got these these safety critical things that need to happen. You know, and there's you know, and it's about you know. And, you know, when you're building a, a, a risk assessment or a safe system of work or whatever it may be, there's lots of, there's lots of crap written in, in, around some really important stuff. And I think it's, it's how you get that really important stuff to make sure that that has happened. And if you can really make sure that that has happened, I mean, they were talking yesterday, was, was it two and a half thousand tonne of ammonium nitrate? You know, well... Yeah. Why on earth has two and a half thousand tonne of ammonium nitrate been allowed to be stored in one location? You know, that's you know, real basic. You know, that's the you know, because if it was in if it was in five kilogram 
uh, they wouldn't have had that explosion that was protected, but that's not practical. So, you know, is it under a kilograms? Is it a thousand kilograms? Is it 10,000 kilograms? But it's about, it's about, you know, but two, two and a half thousand ton. I mean, I, you know, when I used to run quarries, we used to use two ton of explosives, two ton of ammonium nitrate to blow up quarry faces. And that made a of a bang. Well, two and a half thousand tons, unbelievable. But there's, there's some real critical things there, aren't there, that needed, that needed sorting out. But they're, you know, but, you know, they obviously just weren't, it just wasn't followed, was it? It wasn't, you know, it wasn't put into practice. You know, nobody had assessed, nobody had looked at it properly. I think, I think, um, you know, that, that overall, you know, what, what, what you and I are doing now is we're having this dialogue. You know, we're, we're, we're having a chat, we're discussing, and, and sometimes we'll have the same views and other times we'll have different views and different ways about approaching it. But we're talking about it. We're opening that dialogue, and, and sometimes in a in a in a working environment, it, it doesn't happen enough. You know, it happens in a safety meeting, or it might you know sort of tagged on the end of a board meeting. Sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes it does. And um, and normally the discussion points in are, are about the reactive indicators like accidents. You know, which which well, all right. But what about the other stuff that you do? Let's focus on some key stuff. Let's pick out right. What's the, on our risk register, what's the top five hazards that we have? Moving vehicles, right? I want to chat about moving vehicles. What are we doing? What aren't we doing? What arrangements do we have in place? What procedures do we have? What's your, I want three, four um, drivers to come up and join us at the meeting. I, would, I want to open this dialogue on what works and what doesn't work. Um, and there's not enough of that. There's not, even if you agree or disagree, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's getting that dialogue. It's getting that people talking about it. And the more people are talking about it, the more chance you have of, of actually getting some improvement in place, you know, let's listen to some of the some of the people that do this job. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you, you know, what, what what you do with the interest in health and safety podcast is great. You've got mixed views and opinion. You've got some experts coming in, and 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 some of it's com- completely new, and some of it is recycling the same message, yep. just in a slightly different way. But it's getting people talking. That's right. That's what it's, that's what it's about, mate. And I love what you're saying there about about you know get get out there and talk about that. The stuff that kill, <laughs> you know, the more the more time you can spend talking about those things, you know. You you mentioned about your, you know that site you went to. We had 30, 30 risk assessments in, in part of business and twenty in this one and thirty in that one. Well, it, in on that site there were five or six jobs or activities or tasks that were really key, and that's where yeah. they want to be spending their time. That's yeah. where they want to be spending their time. And yeah. I, and I love what you say, you know, about um about practicing, you know. And I'm just you know. I, I, I'm just thinking back, you know, when when are people allowed to practice doing risk assessment? They aren't, are they? You know, it might be when they're on the training course, you know, but every other time they're, expect, they're expected to do it when it matters. They're expected okay. to do it when the job is happening or is about to happen. Mm. And then they're expected to get it right, you know, and, and, and we should, you know, we should be introducing so much more opportunity for people to practice and to, and to get it wrong and to learn and to move on. I, I interesting you say that. I, I, um, I'm a firm believer that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of training courses that you have, Colin, that, uh, apart from asbestos, where legally you're, it, you know, it's mandatory to, to, to do annual refresher training. Um, uh, most of the other stuff, apart from first aid, is, is at your discretion, really. Is it three years, five years? You know, it's, it's, trying, it's trying to be reasonable. And, um, but I, I feel risk assessment training, it, it, it could be an annual. It could be a real annual, and I say training, I don't mean necessarily classroom, I mean getting people in pairs, twos and threes, getting out there, having a look at some of those, you know, some of those real key tasks 
You know, if you, if you spoke to the, the senior manager and said, right, first question to yourself now, if you thought there was going to be an accident today, where would you probably guess it would be? And I guarantee they'll probably say, well, it's either this or that. Right. But that's the ones you want to get right. Because you already sat there and you perceive, you know, that's where, that's where it's going to happen. I bet you those same, those same managers and directors could also say, do you know when you speak to somebody, one of your staff members, and, and you ask them to do something, and you know, and you have confidence that they'll go away and they'll do a good job. You also know there's probably one or two that as soon as you ask them to do something, and as they walk away, you're probably thinking to yourself, this is going to come back. This is going to come back straight away. What do you know? You, you, you know straight away because very similar to, you know, you could, um, you know, you know the significant tasks that are being carried out and have a proper, probably a high probability of, of something going wrong is going to be those two or three tasks. You also have a good idea that um, some, of these, some of these managers and directors, and they've done it, could actually name two or three people. I can, I can name now. If somebody is going to make that decision, I could probably name them. You know? And that, and that's where sometimes it becomes difficult. Yeah. So how, how from a, from a manager, not not from me, but from a manager's point of view, how do you suddenly engage and, and, and give these people tasks? Um, and in fact, they might not be ready for it. You know, we we said earlier about the take one assessment, and um, and there'll be some people that just grasp that first time and get it right first time every time. Yeah, they completely understand it. And there's others that just won't regardless of how many times you, you tell them. Um, I've, I've got a son like that. Yeah. How many times I tell him to, to clean his room or do certain things, mm-hmm. he just, um, yeah, I think it becomes white noise. He just, he's just not motivated. Yeah. Okay. You know, there's got to be, you know, there's got to be, you know, for people to do stuff, generally speaking, there's got to be something in it for them. There's got to be, yeah. you know, and it's about, it's about identifying. It's about identifying that, isn't it? You know, I think, you know, if, if you've got people, you know, in the business that you feel that way about, then they're the ones that you, you've, just got to, you've got to be supporting. You know, you've got to be supporting those people just more and more. You know, and, uh, you know, spending spending time with them, finding out finding out how they're doing the jobs. I think what would be interesting, you know, you ask the management, what do they think of the high-risk jobs? And then you go and ask the guys, what do they think of the high-risk jobs? It would be really interesting to see how close those, uh, those are. And... Uh, you know that that that's the real test, then, isn't it? If to see whether yeah. the really understand what the what the what the people at the shop in feel. I say the guys. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what we're that's what we're striving to to achieve. That's what we're trying to get to. You know, and uh, so I, I a bit like yourself, Colin. I love it. Passionate about it, and and because if you're passionate, it's um it becomes infectious. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. people love that. People are. That doesn't matter what line of work you're in. You could be an accountant. You you could be working in IT, you know, and 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 sometimes not perceived as being the most dynamic of, of occupations. Um, and some people have a perception that about you know risk professionals, health and safety professionals. You know, is is you know it's had, it's had bad press in the past, but listen, I, I love it. I'm passionate about it, and um, and I expect people to be passionate as, as well. You, you deliver a presentation and it's boring and mundane, which is what people used to perceive about health and safety. Um, and then, then unfortunately, that's that's how it's delivered. You know, we could line up ten health and safety professionals, and the message they're trying to get over is the same. But how you deliver that message is what sets you apart. It's all about delivery. 
and, and, and that isn't just you and I, Colin. That is directors, that is managers, that is supervisors, that is at every level. It's all about the delivery. Yeah. No, that's, that's really cool. That's great. That's great. Hey, Mark, how, um, how can people get hold of you? Um, well, listen, we've got a we, website, so um, safetyhorizonsw.com. Uh, all the details are on there. We've got uh, LinkedIn profile. We've got a Twitter profile. Um, we, we've got Facebook, Google My Business. We're pretty much, with a new website, obviously, is what you do outside of that as well. You know, so the whole social media platform, you know, everything's sort of linked, all linked in there, really. But, um, yeah, you can Google Mark Stallard, but if you could put Mark Stallard Bristol, because there's, there's an ex-footballer called Mark Stallard, he used to play for Derby County, and, um, and people have sort of mistaken me with, with, with him. He's a, he's a year younger than me, but, um, but not as good a footballer. Is me in his prime, even though he's uh, he scored more goals at a professional level. So, yeah, put Mark Stanley Bristol or put Safety Rise in Southwest. That uh, that that can come up. And um, listen, I'm happy just a bit like yourself, Colin. I'm happy to talk. You know, that's, that's fantastic, mate. That's uh, absolutely we're, we're, we're passionate about it. But hey, you keep up the good work because you do some great stuff. I I do listen in on the podcast, and I I know you won an award uh, last year, didn't you? I think it was, which was uh, yeah. Which, yeah you know what? That, that that's just not. And believe me, I'm, I'm certainly not because you're in my company now, because you know I'm a very straight talker anyway. But, you know, that's, um, that isn't just a reflection of what you're doing now. That's a reflection of what you've been doing for the last 20-odd years. Mm, I think so. that, that's a lot of knowledge and expertise. And, and I made some mistakes, mm-hmm. but we all have. And, and you've got a lot of things right as well. And you, you're bringing all that into a, in, into a format like this and, and delivering it. So, so great stuff because um, you know there's just not enough of it going around. So long may it continue. Nah, man, I really, I really appreciate that, buddy. You know, I mean, it's been, you know, for me, this whole, um, this whole, this last year and a bit, I've been doing this, which has been, it's been transformational, mate. About, about just how I feel about things. You know, not, not just health and safety. You know, it's just been enlightening. You know, it's just, uh, just really great, great fun and all. You need to do it, mate. You need to, you need to get one going. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was absolutely wonderful to to hear from you. You know, it's been a couple of years since we uh, since we last spoke, and um, and it was it was tremendous. Um, I just loved your I love your passion. I love your commitment. I love the your practicality, the way that you talk about health and safety. It's just absolutely uh, absolutely spot on. I hope you as listeners got something from today's episode because I definitely did. You know, just listening to the, to the mate the way that Mark just talks about practically applying sort of really really great process um and um you know good good luck with everything and uh and i hope you enjoyed what you heard today i speak to you again soon bye-bye now thanks for listening to the interest in health and safety podcast you can follow and engage on facebook and linkedin by searching the interesting health and safety community or go to www.influentialmg.com and remember let's make health and safety as important as everything else we do in business